come with us on a journey into the unknown, the unexplained, and the unbelievable. We will test your senses and challenge your beliefs. A world where science and religion clash. Or do they? You will meet real people and hear real stories, but you will not believe. You will witness strange sights and hear strange sounds, but you will not believe. This is the New England Ghost Project. Welcome to the Nightmare. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to Ghost Chronicles, right here on Tojanet and Pararex Radio. I am Ron Kolick, your host, and with me, my co-host, all the way from the land of the Red Dragons, the gold standard in ghost hunting, Steve Parsons. Hey, good evening. Did you know that American teenagers drink way more soda than they do milk? No, I wasn't aware of that. Yeah, that's what the lady just on the trailer before us said. See, you learn something every day, don't we? Yeah. Stay tuned. You might learn something. Well, I don't know. Can anybody ever learn anything on Ghost Chronicles? <laughs> Absolutely. Anyways, today's show is brought to you by Circles of Wisdom, 386 Merrimack Street in Methuen, Massachusetts, home of Ron Kolick's Paranormal Study Workshop, and, of course, the Gallant Messier Family Law Group on High Street in North Andover, Massachusetts. So, there you go. Are they still so, offering to do hits? Yeah. <laughs> Anyways... Uh, I was reading an article, and oh god, it was basically it was a pretty good article actually. It was, it was the broken technology of ghost hunting, and it was uh, it was pretty intriguing. And, um, and we'll talk a little bit more about the article later. But then I started thinking about it. Well, you know, there are so many people out there, so many books on ghost hunting because there are so many experts out there um, that I decided well. You know what? Let's take a look. Let's see what some of these experts are. I thought we'd uh, look at a list and uh, kind of uh, comment on it. So, okay. Well, first I, of all, let's sort out the broken technology of your. No, microphone. no, 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 no. The broken technology we'll discuss after the. I uh, meant of your microphone. You were um, somewhat distorted earlier. When? Well, just. Well, anyway, moving on. Yes. Yes. Go on, then. Fire away. So, uh, starting with this one, which is uh, from ghost, uh, TV ghost hunter Steve Gonzalez. Been doing this for quite a few years. And uh, so the first item uh, he believes we should have in our ghost hunting kit is a flashlight. This might seem silly, uh, things to suggest, but you'd be surprised how often the flashlight is overlooked. Even as even I, as a seasoned investigator, have to remind myself to grab a flashlight from time to time. The flashlight is also not an essential part for uh, safely navigating through the dock, but it's also great for reading historical markers and passages and guest books. A lot of uh, times they include uh, guess ghostly encounters, and uh, don't forget the extra batteries. So let's, that seems pretty logical to me, actually. You would imagine so, but do you know how many times I've uh, been on a public ghost hunt or even an organized investigation with a team, and half of them have forgotten to bring their flashlights? Really? 
Or they rely on their... Uh, the, the new thing is that they don't need it now because they're all wandering around the lights on the back of their uh, smartphones. Yeah, which are extremely yeah, that's bright. A, that's the other... Well, that's the other... Pro- well, there is a problem with the flashlight because um, nowadays with the modern LEDs, um, they are bloody bright, a lot of them. You know, yep. the old dim three-volt bulb... Uh, that worked perfectly well. In fact, back in the day, um, when we told our team to go out and buy flashlights, torches as they're called in the UK, mm-hmm. um, we always said uh, to cover the uh, illumination with a red filter, or if that works, yes. you know, yeah. tape a sweetie wrapper, anything to dim the bloody light down. Um, but this modern trend towards using searchlights, miniature searchlights, and... Uh, Dazzling anybody oh. and everybody. Oh, it's even worse, of course, is now the headlights they have people put them on their heads so that they're right at eye level and uh, totally blind you for. Well, I mean, yeah. I, I, I have a headlight, which I, I find to be incredibly useful, but you know, you can get them that they swivel and point straight down at the ground so that you're not blinding everybody as you're walking around. Yeah, unfortunately, most people don't do that. No, they, they don't. The no, straight ones they buy for the <laughs> cheapest amount of money they can at, in the store and just walk around with them. Yep. But they are too bloody bright. That's the problem. You don't need uh, huge amounts of, you know, three billion candle power stuck on your head um, or or clutched in your sticky little hand to find your way around a building. You just need to be able to see your way around um, safely. Mm -hmm. Um, And and, and in all fairness, most buildings have enough ambient light in them that you really... Uh, well, don't, right. need I mean, a, don't need a powerful flashlight at all. No, I mean it, it takes about twenty minutes for your for your eyes to develop their full night vision, and it mm. takes about twenty milliseconds for some half yeah, to shine a torch in your face. Um, and then you know you might as well be blind for the next ten minutes. That's for sure. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah, I mean it's an essential part of uh, of the, the ghost hunter's toolbox. Yeah. I know that not every investigation is conducted at night or even in the dark, mm-hmm. but nevertheless, you you know, cellars, uh, attics, yeah. um, there are locations where you are in, uh, there at night and there's no electricity or there's there's no uh, illumination, mm-hmm. and you do need to move about. Absolutely, I I, I prefer red light myself as. Uh, my preferred well, light, light for ghost hunting. Uh, I used to use red a lot, um, mm-hmm. but in recent years, um, myself and one or two others, we've switched to a very dim blue light. Hmm, that's uh, interesting. Yeah, just just because um, you can. <laughs> because yeah. Um, well, actually, no. Do you know what it is? Really, it's because. Okay. It's because the ghosts are supposed to, according to the spiritualists, the, the ghosts and the spirits are supposed to be drawn towards red light. And I don't want them messing around with the experiment, so we use blue light. Hopefully it'll chase them away. Oh, I got it. Yeah, that makes sense. In fact, okay. we, did an, we did an experiment, didn't we, using two mag lights at uh, Fort Constitution to see whether one was red, one was blue, to see whether the spirits would prefer to communicate or be drawn to a red light or a blue light. Mm-hmm. And I think we'll talk a little bit more about that if we do have time in broken technology. Mm-hmm. So, uh, all right. So that's you know that seems uh, pretty logical to me and uh, fairly a, common sense. A good recommendation by Steve. And I like the and I like the idea about don't forget to bring the batteries because that's another uh, bugbear of mine. People turn oh, up yeah. 
And then 30 seconds into the event, the camera batteries, the flashlight batteries, and every other battery they've got. Well, I don't understand it. I bought them new from Dollar Store the other day. Yeah, Dollar Store. <laughs> yeah, and they wonder why they don't work. Mm. Anyway. Dollar Store batteries don't work for long, oh, if my. at all. <laughs> yeah, true. Anyways, uh, his next suggestion, and this is uh, pen and notebook. Having a pen and notebook will be very handy for a lot of reasons. First, you will want to keep notes during your stops at these haunted locations. Specifically, you want to log almost anything you might think you want to remember or think is interesting. By the time you get to the end of the road trip, uh, you will uh, you will be nice. Oh, it will be nice to look back and read about. Uh, your counters and findings. I have always carried a notebook handy on every investigation. So, uh, and by the way, uh, Steve, by the way, has is, is written, written the book uh, Ghostology and is also the, the notes for the uh, um, SPR. And uh, so he, he does have uh, a little bit of uh, knowledge in this field. So anyway, uh, so what do you think? I'll disagree with that. Um, notes are notebook and pen is uh, really important um, because it does allow you to do I mean you might be talking to somebody a witness uh, you might want to make some jottings about times or things that took place or things people have said to you or that have happened to you um, you know I, I suppose you, you could argue that modern technology could help and you could use um, a recorder to dictate notes to but Ultimately, the problem with those devices is uh, batteries, and you they forget. They get ghost voices on them too. <sighs> well, and you get distracted by ghostly voices. Uh, <laughs> one of the drawbacks of uh, notebook and pen is actually it, it's quite interesting because we're so used now to interacting with keyboards and typing stuff in on keyboards mm -hmm. that uh, the quality of people's handwriting has gone right down the tubes. Um, and whereas 10 or 15 years ago, it was quite easy to read somebody's handwriting. And we what could actually are you doing? Fin uh, just putting something away. Um, and <laughs> you, you could actually read people's handwriting. And, you know, people could, could write quite legibly in the dark without additional light. Not me. Um, well, our team could. Um, but in recent years, because writing is now uh, not practiced... Yeah, it's not practiced as often. People's right handwriting is going more and more illegible. But notes are very important. Notebooks are very important. Uh, I wouldn't recommend carrying a huge thing, you know, just a little, uh, like, like the, the ones that the police have, you know, these little tiny, these little handy tablet notebooks that you can pop in your pocket. doesn't yeah, need to what, take up any space. It's only a jotter. What, what, what type of things would you, you jot in your little book? Uh, anything that well, anything that I've just outlined, it could be um, a reminder to do something. A re you know, often there's a list of things that, like uh, times that ne uh, different devices need to be serviced and looked at and checked. Mm -hmm. uh, it can be um, a note about who's 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 going on their breaks next and who's due to come back next and. 
it, it can be what a witness. So you, you wouldn't really uh, use this as a diary then, as a recording. Uh, yeah, well, yes, uh, yes, I was coming to that. Uh, uh, during the actual investigation, um, what we've always encouraged our members uh, to do, and even members of the public to do, is to effectively keep a, a very brief note diary. And I don't want, you know, I'm, I'm not talking about writing War and Peace, mm-hmm. but. A sentence every few minutes just to let us know that you are still in the land of the living and you haven't fell asleep. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, you know, and we, we encourage people to write notes we, without telling them what to write. We say, if you think it's significant, then, then write it down. Um, but we things that we won't accept are nothing happened. Mm-hmm. You know, would you... A note would you like jot down uh, into the bedroom at eight fifteen, and then uh, no. whatever notes left bedroom at eight no. twenty-five? No. Uh, as now, a, as why a, not? Just uh, be, because that should be covered in the overall investigation plan anyway. Um, you know, we we don't do aimless wandering around. Uh, however, I do have a separate piece of paper, like a back, like a game plan that tells me um, where the different people are and where they're going to and when they're due back and uh, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, which we keep with the somebody in control so that every, one person at least knows where everybody else is. So we, we, the last thing that we, we, we want is people just wandering around the place, um, toing and froing, bumping into each other, scaring the bejesus out of one another, hmm. catching each other on a worse. Uh, so we we do need to know where everybody is at any given time, and we have a separate game plan for that. So uh-huh. that wouldn't that would there would be no need for me to put that in my notes, like where I am. Now, <coughs> obviously, if something uh, happens that I think is worth documenting, then that that note would include the time and the location. Okay, fair enough. Okay, so. I think we've finished that, and so far, two good suggestions, I, I believe. Absolutely. So, no no problem with Steve right there. So, we go on item number three, smartphone. Uh, it might seem like a no-brainer, but your smartphone is still an essential ghost hunting tool. I've had many people go on ghost hunts without their phones and regret it. You never know what might happen, and you never know if you get need to call someone for help. If you have a smartphone, uh, make, make sure uh, you give you – oh, wait a minute. This will also give you an extra flashlight, camera, and recorder. Uh, so this is a pro tip by, by Steve. we got a little pro tip for you. If using the digital recorder function on your smartphone, be sure to set it to airplane mode or offline mode to prevent the phone from sending and receiving signals, there is a very slight chance that your audio recordings could be contaminated by rogue frequencies, even uh, cell phone transmissions. Uh, This will will negate the possibility well, this will gate, negate that possibility, uh, even though it's very unlikely it's still worth uh, just in case. So what's your thoughts on that? Again, 
uh, I can care entirely. I, and I would go further because uh, several years ago I did a series of talks um, here in the UK called Smart Ghost Hunting, mm-hmm. uh, which, which was actually advocating uh, the smartphone as one of the most useful tools in the modern ghost hunter's toolbox for the reasons that you've just outlined. It, it's got all of the basic devices in. You've got a camera, you've got a video camera, you've got a voice recorder, you've got etc. Um, but in addition, um, the smartphone has got uh, connectors on it which allow it to do a whole raft of other useful functions too. You can uh, you can measure the audio, you can measure the temperature, you can connect it to a thermal imaging camera and turn it into a pocket-sized thermal video camera. Um, in in essence, the smartphone is is a very very powerful pocketable computer that if you connect it to other devices, um, I mean when, you know even when used on its own it's useful, but when you start connecting other devices to it, uh, it can become incredibly user, useful. It has, for example, uh, an accelerometer and a magnetometer that can measure the geomagnetism inside a location in all three axes. Um, it, it, it can you can use it as a very simple motion detector, um, and with some additional bits of hardware, you can use it as an incredibly sensitive and uh, advanced motion detector. Uh, you can, of course, dial nine one one if you get yourself into trouble. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would also or order a pizza. I'd also agree with with the suggestion to stick it in airplane mode. Um, not. Isn't it? Are you still emitting someone? Well, I was about to say yes. Um, He says it negates the possibility of stray RF uh, transmissions being picked up by the phone. Well, in actual fact, it will reduce. It won't negate because parts of the system uh, are still active, still functions, right? And so you, you, there is still a, a a reduced possibility of some radio breakthrough. So, yeah, incredibly useful. In fact, this idea of using them with these uh, quite ridiculous apps like the well, Iovilus you know and the gonna, I was radar. thinking about that when you were talking. I think we're going to do a uh, a show on uh, smartphones, on apps. Oh, I agree. But, but yeah. like, I, so I do want to add this. I don't want to go too much No, but I don't want to let it go without saying that, of course, none of the apps that are currently available that purport to offer ghost hunting tools like the Iovilus, the Ghost Radar, well, uh, the we'll Echo Box. Well, and, later. Yeah, well not, I none of those. None I of those. Are, with you, so. yeah, well, none of, yeah. I, I am not inc- including any of those in my advocation of the smartphone. Okay, very good. So, moving along, we go to Steve's next recommendation. So far, He's not good. He's good. Well, we're, we're three for three. All right, the camera. Sure, most smartphones have a built-in high-quality camera. Just keep in mind, however, that there is no uh, real night vision or infrared capability on your phone. I don't know about that. (laughs) That means you may have to uh, uh, use the flash function uh, to see different images. Uh, That being said, it could be wise to invest in a camera that is infrared capable. That way you can take photographs and shoot video in dark places without the need of a flashlight or lighting. 
using infrared enabled camera allows you to record in the darkness without requiring a light source. Not necessarily true. Uh, another reason is that another reason is that you may be using uh, a light source. Uh, wait a minute. Another reason is that if you are using a light source, it might be much harder to see something that the illuminated uh, types of phenomena. In other words, the light would, uh, you know, for instance, if if you saw an orb, uh, you might not be able to see it. <laughs> uh, for example, if you uh, see a flashlight beam in the room uh, with the lights on, uh, so, oh, you can't see a flashlight beam in the room, excuse me. Oh, wait a minute, so we have another pro tip. Ghost hunting doesn't always have to happen at night. It is still possible to experience and capture phenomenal evidence on your camera with lights on, even in the daylight. Okay, so here you go. Uh, yeah, well, um, every camera is a compromise. Um, there is no perfect camera for ghost hunting uh, because there are so many different situations and scenarios. There are limitations of cameras, in particularly with the smartphone. Um, and and a, quite a lot of pocket digital cameras in that the sensor, the actual imaging sensor is very small. Um, so a very small sensor means it has to work harder to uh, get light into it, so it needs more light to, to make a proper picture. That can be overcome slightly using electronics to boost the signal, but it's still a compromise. So uh, a camera with a much larger sensor um, will, will work better in low light. Also, sensor technologies, so you have more megapixels, more individual light gathering points uh, on the sensor. Um, and so that, that equates into potentially more detail. Mm -hmm. So an additional camera, uh, a smartphone is perfect if you've got no other you know, don't rush out and buy a camera because uh, you've you've got a perfectly good camera, and they are very very good cameras indeed now, modern smartphones. Um, but a dedicated camera is better for a lot of tasks. Now, Steve says that uh, the modern modern smartphone doesn't work in infrared and blah blah blah. Actually. Uh, with with uh, a small outlay, mm -hmm. you can buy modules that clip on, uh, small camera modules that clip onto the smartphone mm -hmm. uh, that can overcome those. So they can function. Yeah, which we'll talk about in, in yeah. our smart so, uh, technology. So with, with you know, it's better right. to have a camera than not to have a camera, and it's better to have a, a dedicated camera than to use a smartphone camera. However, use what you've got. Mm-hmm. And, and as far as infrared not using a light source, you, you, most of them Well, that's have, complete you, nonsense. Yeah, it's IR emitters, so which are... Well, even, even so, source. I mean, you know, infrared... Um, if, you, if you have an infrared-capable camera mm -hmm. and you're in complete darkness, the pictures will, will not be any good because it's too dark for them. It needs light. Um, right. You know, the light is just not visible to our eyes. Right. But you it's know, I, I, the light. Even even my uh, flip phone has uh, night vision technology on it, yeah. which is, you know, decades old. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So uh, what do you think of the camera? Is that good choice? Uh, Pretty much what yep. Steve said. Are we happy yep. with that? Can't, can't disagree with that. Four for four. All right. Three for yeah. I mean, I could nitpick, but, you know. Yeah, we don't want to nitpick. Yeah. We're not, we don't need to nitpick. 
Yeah, I mean, well, I don't know. Uh, is there anything no. specific that has to be? No, not really. You know, no. as okay. I said, better to have a camera than not have a camera. And better okay. to have the best camera that you can get. But don't right. wish out spending stupid amounts of money. And, and one thing I, I always, uh, you know, I mean, I mean, when you do ghost hunting, depending on, on what you are, you're restricted by a lot of things. And, and one of them is time. Time always restricts you uh, in, in doing an investigation, uh, whether it's uh, created by the client or the 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 venue or whatever but you're sometimes you're restricted by time so it, it's difficult and, and ideal situations can't always be attained but uh one of the things i always like to do with a camera is when you, when you go into a place is to actually go in each of the rooms and do a 360 sweep with in the in the light make sure lights are on and everything so you know exactly what is in that room and then if you have someone in the, in the dock that sees something in there or they get some image on on their camera or something uh you can compare it to the the clear photographs you have in the daytime and a lot of time you can uh i hate the word but uh real light well it's, i won't use the word so there you go you know understand the the source of the anomaly <laughs> Or you can be a lazy son of a bitch like me and just use your 360 camera and take one picture in each room. Oh, you bastard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's pretty good. Yeah, I'll give you that one, Steve. <clears throat> All right. Well, you know, Steve. it speeds things up. It does. It does, absolutely. I agree with you. Um, the next uh, piece of equipment that we are talking about and uh, Steve is talking about is two-way radios. If you are ghost... Uh, if you and your ghost hunting partner plan to stick together, two-way radios might not ne be necessary. However, if there are more than three of you or plan on splitting up to check out various locations, two-way radios are quite valuable. Uh, pro tip, any brand of uh, two-way radios will do. However, I recommend a pair that reaches up to that reaches up to at least Two miles. Okay. All right. Distance way. All right. So uh, how much time we got? We got a couple of minutes to talk about this. I think that's all this one really needs. Anyway. Um, I think most ghost hunters use uh, these uh, handheld PMR radios, don't they? These little yeah. uh, these motor roller devices. Uh, great for making sure that people are where they should be, when they should be, and to let them know that the kettle's on and the tea and biscuits and the refreshments are being served. And the bad thing about them? Uh, lots of bad things about them. <clears throat> um, <clears throat> mostly people either don't use them or won't stop using them. Right. And they also uh, interfere with certain pieces of they, equipment. They, they can interfere with um, lots of measuring equipment. But the, the, the biggest drawback is people either start endlessly uh, chattering on them. Oh, God, or when, so. Yeah, you've, you've been there. Um, or alternatively, um, have put it down, wandered off, um, and for, you know, it's on my wife and her mobile phone. Never answers it. And, yes, yeah, so you're sitting here talking to nothing for 20 yeah, minutes. Shouting, is there anybody there? Where are you? And <laughs> nothing. Report, report, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so we're coming up to the, the quick break, but, uh, yeah, and the other thing you want to do, and, and this is my little sure, is make sure you pick a band that's not heavily used in over the airways because you will pick up chatter from elsewhere as well. Or by, dig by digital ones. Mm, true, but you still have to pick a bandwidth, right? 
the digital ones did by themselves now. Oh, do they really? Okay. Anyways, this is it tunes. So we got to take a break. You're listening to Ghost Chronicles International. Steve Foss and Ron Kolick right here on Tojanite and Pararex Radio. Uh, sponsors, Circles of Wisdom, 386 Merrick Street in the Thule, Massachusetts. And the Glant Messier Family Law Group will be right back after the following messages. Welcome to Tokenet. Radio with a cutting edge. Do you have a paranormal event, book, or something else you want people to know about? Then why not advertise it on Ghost Chronicles Radio? With over 150,000 downloads a month, get your message out to an audience that's interested in the subject. We have a plan at a cost that fits your needs. For more information, contact Ron Kolick at anyghostproject at comcast.net or call 978-455-6678. Mysterious and spooky, they all talk gooky, the Parax family. The shows are paranormal, not stuffy but informal. The topics are abnormal, the Parax family. They're strange, deranged, unrestrained. So grab your favorite brew, it's time to rendezvous as we give awards to the Parax family. Two of Ghost Chronicles, the international and highly educational edition. Where tonight we're picking our way through a list of paranormal equipment and pro tips as compiled by Steve Gonzalez from the Ghost Hunters. Or whatever yeah, he's doing. Or whatever he's doing nowadays. Yeah, I'm sure he's doing something. No, I think he's back on the original. They, they re brought the team back together or something. All so, right. Yeah. So I think he's still uh, there. Anyways, all right. So we are looking at some of the equipment and, and not disagreeing too badly with uh, Mr. Gonzalez at all. I think, I think we're uh, five for five, aren't we? In agreement. Mm, pretty close, yeah. My yeah. little minor things, but nothing serious about. So here we go. This one might be, I'm not sure. We'll have to see how this goes. Um, digital audio recorder. A digital audio recorder is very valuable. It is a vital, essential piece of gear for your ghost hunting kit. This will help you record what are known as electronic voice phenomena, EVP. A digital recorder will also help you recall things that happened during the hunt. And that's all he says there, and here is his pro tip. If uh, doing a structured EVP session during which you do a question and answer session with the spirit, try to think of questions that relate to the era and to the personality of the spirit you are trying to communicate with. For instance, if you are dealing with a child who died in 1920, you might want to talk about toys or dolls, not video games. <laughs> okay, that weren't around in 1920. <laughs> so, here you go. What do you think? We were doing so well, weren't we? 
Yeah. Um, now, uh, almost, a, almost a crash and burn situation. Absolutely bring an audio recorder. Um, the digital ones are just really common nowadays, so inexpensive. Mm-hmm. You've also got your smartphone as well. Um, but don't overlook uh, the cassettes either. You know the the, uh, the analog right. recorders because they're equally useful. Um, their their primary use and has been for over a hundred years is to record the audio at the uh, location that you are interested in. So, for example, somebody might hear footsteps or scratching or banging or knocking or movement, and you can you can obtain a recording of those sounds, hopefully, and then you can uh, take them away with you and look at them in more detail later. Which um, you've, got, you've done on several of your investigations. Which, which we've done, um, and the SPR were doing in the 1890s. Um, and has been undertaken by um, every every good investigator. Um, the use for electronic voice communications uh, is highly contentious, particularly as it relates to the modern digital era, um, where the use is very different than was uh, originally proposed by uh, the... Uh, explorers of EVP phenomena like Raudiva and um, and many many others who, you, well I was going to say it's pointless naming them all but in essence um, the part relating to EVP and that is I mean let's be honest that's the main use of them uh, there today very, definitely yeah there are very few investigators who will, who are interested in location audio um, in, in terms of recording the sounds that they are hearing. Um, almost exclusively now you will see them pull out some form of recorder and start trying to talk to it. Uh, right. And um, that remains very contentious, and I wouldn't say that was my primary use of an audio recorder. However, uh, in building some, uh, putting together some kits for SPR investigators, uh, one of the essential items that was included was a very high-quality Zoom audio recorder. Uh, firstly, for the for the purposes of recording interviews with witnesses uh, and personal sort of audio notes, and also for recording location audio. Um, there was no mention of electronic voice phenomena recording, and won't betide any of them that try. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so me to deal with. We kind of agree with them. Uh, yeah, I, I think if we, yeah, I mean, they are every audio. Digital record- recorder is definitely a, a part well, of a kit. It's, so its I function is, well, it's described, it, it, it's made to be a digital audio recorder. And audio is something that you can hear. Um, it doesn't say anywhere on the packaging, digital uh, spirit re- uh, electronic voice recorder. Mm hmm. So, uh, well, I'm sure they have now, anyways. Oh, yeah, there's a few, <laughs> but I mean, you know, digital audio recorder for recording audio digitally. So, uh, this is this has always been one of my uh, uh, like contentious or whatever is is sometime to uh, if you have a, a room, for instance, where you have uh, audio phenomena reported, uh, that's a room that. To, to me, should be uh, monitored audibly, uh, not necessarily videoly, but oh, audio. essential! No, no, no! Essential to have video. Essential. Why is that? 
Well, because you can you can quickly determine that it isn't somebody making. For example, if it's footsteps or object movement sounds, or um, if you have the sound, then you have an interesting sound. But there's not much you can do about it apart from say yes, there is a sound. However, if you add a layer of video um, at the same time, and many cameras have got audio and video built into them. Yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. Uh, you can say, look, there is nobody there. Look, there is nothing moving. Yeah. Well, look. usually that room would be sealed off, so you would well, you would erase that apartment. You'll be yeah. surprised. You know, you might think the room's sealed off, but it doesn't stop rodents. It doesn't stop things just falling Fair over. Enough. Fair enough. Uh, and so I would never deploy a video, an audio device, um, to record location audio unless it was covered by uh, a video recorder as well. The only problem I have with that is that if, for instance, you are a monitor and turn in a, a room remotely, is and you have video as well as audio, video can be distracting or uh, to... Oh, you don't have to look at the video. You only need to look at the video if there is something interesting on the sound. So you only have to... I mean, you can play the soundtrack back, uh, okay. and a modern camera will allow you to do that. And then right. if there is an interesting moment, then you can review the video around that moment. But you're absolutely right. right. If you put a screen on during an investigation of any sort, um, what, what and we notice this... 20-something oh, years ago when we started using cheap baby cap... Um, <laughs> yes, God bless cheap, us. <laughs> cheap domestic CCTV systems. Oh, God bless us. That uh, if you put a screen on in a, mm. in a location, people stop looking at the location and they just start staring at the screen. Exactly. And it, it led to one a memorable uh, lo- uh, experience during an investigation. Uh, we had a camera that was actually looking to our rear. Protect, uh, it was interested in a part of the building that was behind us. So we were facing uh, one in one direction, and the camera was basically alongside us, but looking behind us. Uh, I'm, I, 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 so obviously, I'm um, glossing over a lot of the salient details. At some point, um, the investigator who was sitting at that uh, particular position... Um, and had a little black and white screen to look at, got up and started walking forwards into the room, taking photographs and sort of moving about in quite an excited fashion. Um, And when we asked him later why he got so excited and animated, he said he'd seen something on the screen, so he reached for his camera and rushed into the room uh, to get more more pictures, and he said... uh, the camera was facing behind you. <laughs> but he'd become so focused on the screen right. uh, that he'd given up looking into the into the space. Mm-hmm. So, you know, he'd, he'd sat there for 45 minutes or however long it was just watching television. So, anybody who has dealt with um, CTTV imagery or, or any of that, uh, you realize that you, especially in the dark, and infrared, you you have distortions, you have static, you have oh, all things, and people just get all excited over it, like oh, yeah. because because it's in a dock in a haunted location, it's got to be a ghost or something. But uh, these are just normal 
God, we had these when we had the tube TVs back when black and white TV was started. Well, you know, I, we just go back to photography as well. When when somebody goes sightseeing, when they go to visit um, somewhere, just just as a, a day visitor, not interested in the paranormal at all, mm-hmm. and they they take some snaps um, to remember their visit or record the scenery or the view in places they go back they look at them and they 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 share them if somebody goes to the same location uh, believing it to be haunted and they're there to they scrutinize every pixel of that image um to find something anomalous now i remember back in the days of film photography I never saw a print that was perfect without, uh, you know, the chemicals inside would, would oh, develop correct. slightly differently. And it's exactly the same with modern digital cameras. This camera is writing 20 million pixels of information. And it's almost inevitable uh, and a fact of life that very occasionally it'll the software will screw it up. And it'll put some sproggy or some artifact into the picture. Yeah. And when they blow it up 300,000% and scrutinize every pixel, they will find things that aren't quite right. And then they, because that's paranormal then, mm-hmm. that's proof, that's what they're looking for. Mm-hmm. And that's yeah, kind of sad. I, I always thought. remember to me, and it's one of the funniest things that, ever, that happened in Ghost Hunting, is that we had. Did this investigation at the Tenney Gate House, and uh, Joe Bella was the curator of the place. And uh, Marion and I were there, and he took uh, regular film pictures on, I think, a little point and shoot or whatever. Anyways, and uh, he got called me, and he was all excited. He says, "Oh, I took these pictures, and I had them developed, and and Marion has angel wings, and you have this <laughs> black cloud all around you. Everywhere oh, you go, you have a black cloud. Yeah, so." I showed him, and you know, you looked at him, and it's like, oh yeah, those, you know, it, it looked like the black cloud was around me, looked like Marion had angel wings. So I said, Joe, can I, can I borrow the negatives? I'd like to, to have a copy of my. Oh yeah, sure. So I went, and, and I, I pretty much knew what this was going to be, and I took it to uh, the lab and, and and had a copy made up. And when I got my copy. Lo and behold, no angel weeks, no black cloud. It was just crappy developing. That's all it was. Probably went to some drugstore with some mm-hmm. nosed kid that, that developed, and, and that's what you got. Yep, and it's the same with modern digital cameras. Um, you know, even the even the expensive top of the range models will throw up uh, sproggies and anomalies at you, and then people put them into. Uh, Photoshop or some other editing package, and then they will play with them endlessly um, until they, you know that if they think that there's a figure on that, um, on they that will find it. They will find they, it. They they end up actually creating it because they will they will slide things up and down to yep. adjust the brightness, the contrast. They'll, they will they, find. It. They love turning it negative. I saw one the other day that was uh, put up, and the woman had said that. Um, that there was a, a she she realized she believed that there was a spirit in the photograph, but it wasn't very clear. So she used art sketch, <laughs> art sketch filter, to enhance the ghost. Good thinking. So uh, you can create your own ghost if you think that there's one there, and you play around with the editing software for long enough, and you know they call it analysis. 
nothing really could be further from the truth. But yeah. sliding sliders up and down is not image analysis. That is a completely, you know, I mean, that's a highly, uh, highly specialised area. <laughs> well, you know, uh, audio and visual uh, forensic analysis is a highly skilled speciality that takes, Absolutely. you know, years to learn and... Um, you know, it's used by the FBI, it's used by air crash investigators, it's used, you know, many, many situations, military analysts. You can't, and they don't use um, Audacity, and they don't use Photoshop, and they don't randomly slide things around. You know, it's a very, and, very... And, and, and fairness, too, it's not infallible as well. Oh, well, absolutely it isn't, particularly when it comes to audio analysis, because mm-hmm. we don't yet have computer... Um, the capability for a computer to actually decide what is being said or what that sound is. It can show you the frequency and the amplitude, sure, and then it can give you probabilities. But, I mean, let's look at the voice recognition software of most smartphones, the dictation software. It's notorious for getting it wrong. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, even even in perfect uh, situations. So, for example, when they're doing cockpit voice uh, recorder analysis and plane, in plane crashes, um, the analyst, uh, who is forensically trained and highly skilled, is still making a subjective best guess based mm-hmm. upon what uh, the data that they're um, using. Okay. Uh, vis- video visual analysis is slightly different. Okay, so moving on to and and there's still errors in that because I, I, I realize yeah uh, Amazon just had a big problem with that on their visual. Yeah. Anyway, um, click on all the spaces on. that contain a palm tree. Mm-hmm. So, anyways, uh, the actually the the one I was talking about was spatial uh, recognition. They had mm-hmm. problems with. Anyway, so digital recorder, yeah, keep it in your kit. Good idea, yeah. Steve. All right, so moving right on. This is interesting. I I wouldn't have thought of this. So, but uh, okay, headphones. If you're going to record sound on your digital auto recorder or phone, investing in a decent quality pair of headphones is essential. Never try to use the digital recorder speaker or the phone speaker. Earbuds should be uh, the last resort. Ideally, you want. Uh, over-the-air headphones or cans, uh, which will provide high-quality sound playback and also blocking an additional uh, sound pollution. So what do you think, Steve? Well, I wouldn't use them during an investigation. No, me neither. Um, Because because you are blocking out a lot of the audio. Exactly. Um, But, yeah. I, I I do agree. Don't use the, the recorder's inbuilt speaker for listening back to the audio later. You know, go home, plug yourself right. into a decent set of headphones. Um, they don't have to be expensive either. We know we're not talking about Bose noise cancelling or no, all like these the ones other... you bought. We were over here. No, no, not look at that. <laughs> because I mean, the other thing as well is, um, and particularly if you're listening back to voices from an interview. Uh, that sort of technology, music, stereo music headphones, are actually not your best choice. Uh, and if you look at people like airline pilots or, or radio communications um, headphones, they, the speakers in them are actually designed to give you less of a, a frequency response because you don't need the bass and the treble for mu- that music headphones require. Mm-hmm. So if you're listening back to interviews or um, 
you know, use there are different models of headphones that may be more or less appropriate for your needs. Um, I would also, I would, I would, you know, you don't need to spend more than ten, fifteen dollars on a pair of headphones for um, for listening back. Okay, very good. So I wouldn't include them in my kit. Uh, I, I definitely no, I believe wouldn't. in using them. Absolutely. I do have uh, a. I've got to. I, you know, like hold my hand up here. In in my ghost hunting kit, there is actually a small pair of earbuds. Yeah, he said that's uh, no, that's the last resort. He said, which as a last resort, I might want to play something back um, mm-hmm. just to check that you know. Okay. So yeah, I they're just small portable. Just stick them in your ear just to double check something. Um, better to have them not have them because they take up no space. Yeah, and they came through. Fair enough. All right, so I, I don't particularly. I wouldn't particularly have one in a kit. I would don't think that's an essential part. Uh, it, it's definitely important for going listening. I was on an investigation. Oh, you just reminded me. I was on an investigation not so very long ago with the team, and um, the team, the team leader, um, we go back to radios before, was using radio communications to keep in touch with his teams, and he had a full communications headset on, covering both ears, uh, so he could hear he could hear the rantings of his team members, but couldn't hear you know if he shouted at him across the room, or you know, <laughs> couldn't hear. Yeah, that's... but he looked good. He did look yeah, good. That's that's important too. You got to look yeah. good. You had the rest good. of the gear as well. You know, the uh, combat sort of SWAT ghost hunting, demon fighting kit, mm-hmm. uh, the patches and pockets. Excellent. Okay, so there we go. We'll leave that one to where it is. Now here's one that hmm, I don't know if you can agree with this, but let's see what he says. The EMF gauge. In theory, that goes gauge. That's the way he describes it. Uh, 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 this what is, are we in know, the 1920s? This is Steve, EMF gauge. Okay. In theory, that ghosts are made of energy holds true. Uh, then the electromagnetic field, or EMF gauge, is an essential tool. You will need to uh, find yeah, you will need it to find fluctuations in magnetic fields that could be caused by ghostly apparitions. Keep in mind your EMF gauge. Picking, uh, keep in mind that your EMF gauge picking up a reading doesn't necessarily mean that there's something paranormal there. There's just a chance or possibility. By that, I mean make sure your readings aren't coming from natural or man-made sources such as electrical outlets, wires, appliances, before you credit uh, the reading to a ghost. And here's the pro tip, and we'll talk about this, I'm sure. Uh, if you are if you are just along for a spooky road trip, trip don't uh, really feel the urge to purchase an EMF gauge. A compass also works in a pinch. Just watch the needle to see if it's uh, there's a problem in magnetic north. Uh, that means uh, you might be encountering some other otherworldly energy. Hmm. Okay, don't know, Steve. All right, Steve, my Steve. What do you think? Okay. Uh, bollocks. <laughs> no, EMF, no EMF gauges in your um, kit. 
Uh, yes, yes, there is. There are two, both of which are there for a very specific reason, um, and both of which give information that the average ghost investigating EMF gauge, <laughs> whatever one of them is, won't tell you. <laughs> you like um, that, huh? <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> steam gauge. Sounds pretty. I hate to say it. it. You know that? No, we don't use. We use meter. I know it them. Anyway, um, if you are, uh, there is no no indicate, there is no suggestion or um, I notion that ghosts emit, use, manipulate, or do anything other uh, than uh, you know play around with EMF in any way. Um, and even if they did, and and you want to measure that or test that idea then the device that uh, your EMF gauge that's made by K2 Industries or Dr. Gauss or any of the others um, will not be of any use to you whatsoever because it will only tell you uh, very basic information that there is an electromagnetic field uh, present. It's kind of, but it won't tell you anything about the field. It won't tell you the frequency of the field. It right, it's one won't axle. tell you the well, I, and it won't tell you the amplitude of the field accurately yeah. either, um, unless unless the sensors are fully lined up. It's kind of like going out uh, and walking the uh, walking along uh, the road and getting wet. You don't know whether you've just been rained on or peed upon. By a passing bird, you just know that you are wet. All this device will tell you these hundred dollar, two hundred dollar um, things, or things that are stuffed into cats or dogs or teddy bears, will only tell you there is an electromagnetic field there. Um, now that electromagnetic field may not even be in the building. It may not even be nearby to the building. So power lines and passing police cars or aircraft may not be the source. In fact, in one case that we looked at many years ago, using one of these three-axis frequency and amplitude devices that cost in excess of a £1,000, we discovered the source of the uh, electromagnetic signal that was being detected by the cheaper ghost meters was actually a BBC radio transmitter some Ah. 50 miles away. Uh, broadcasting on the low frequency um, band uh, in the kilohertz band so you know when we're not talking about your local FM station we're talking about an AM station 50 miles away and it was still triggering the handheld basic EMF meters um, that the ordinary ghost hunter would find in their kit yeah, you know what so, irritates me too is most people don't even know where the sensors are on no. the no. I have no clue. I, I, well, I mean, let's let's start with the basics. I mean, EMF does not, in in terms of um, physics or electrical engineering, equal electromagnetic fields. An EMF is an electromotive force, mm-hmm. and is very different than an uh, electromagnetic field. Uh, but we we in common parlance we do call them EMF meters. Um, yes, they are completely. Unless you're going to spend several thousand dollars on a on a system that is measuring the radio frequency and the electromagnetic spectrum, so giving you frequency information and amplitude information and directional information, then save your money, don't waste your money at all. It's not okay. going to give you any information. It's just going to mislead you. 
Okay, so we'll let, we, we're running short on time here, so we got to keep going. Oh, we got two minutes. All right, do a quick one, then. Uh, the digital well, drama. Uh, well, what? before we do it, before we do another one, can we say the most important thing that Steve has, has missed out right from what? the very start? A wristwatch. Ah, very good. Because although, every although smartphone would give you that. Well, every piece of equipment, every digital recorder, every digital camera, your smartphone, uh, your your notes, your written notes, um, and the, the things that you speak into recorders. If you don't put, if you don't uh, date and timestamp them, then there is no indication that they are simultaneous events. So, if you if if you don't uh, have a, a means of telling the time, then mm. your notes. You know, anything you do has to be timestamped. All of the devices that you're using have to be clock synchronized with one another, um, or at least with a master clock. Well, you that just killed ab- the, the last absolutely essential attempt to complete this list. You realize that? Yeah, I wanted to by, leave by, leave by running off because it's it's such an important, very basic step that's so often overlooked. That if you don't have a wristwatch and date and timestamp and synchronize all of your devices, then your results are going to be pretty meaningless. True, very true. Anyways, we do run out of time. We do have a couple of other items left, and, and uh, so we're going to come back to that uh, next show. We'll just sort of get wrap it up. With it. It's not fair to uh, leave people half in the bag here. So anyway, he's not on. Um, he's not on commission. What's that? He's not on commission. We're not paying him for Pinchy's list. All of that information is in Ghostology anyway. Yeah, look, nobody reads that book, so moving right along. Nobody reads any books these days. That's, the That's true. So we're uh, just about out of time. Uh, we want to thank everybody for uh, listening today, and I uh, hope you've got some good information. Uh, check out my website, anyghostproject.com, the letter N, the letter E, ghostproject.com. And uh, there you go. Little tushies down the circles of wisdom and enroll in the course. That's right. Next week we look at, oh, one of my most fascinating subjects I, I enjoy exploring. What are you doing this week? It's uh, psychometry, so love it. Touchy-feely stuff, huh? Touchy-feely, yeah. Well, I'm going to look at all all aspects of the paranormal. So, so there you go. Anyways, uh, thanks, Steve, and good night and God bless. Good night. Happy hunting. Goalies to ghosties, long-leggedy beasties, and things that go bump in the night. Deliver us, good Lord.